for being here this evening and making a decision to participate in our Bible class. Anita asked me, she said, now where are you teaching tonight? I said, well, for the ninth class in a row, I'll be teaching in the auditorium. <laughs> so clearly it's just flying by for her, I don't know. I have a few things I want to share with you, and then we will sing a song and have a prayer together. After that, we'll begin our Bible study that pertains to giving, and especially tonight we're going to talk about the spirit of giving. Okay, this is a card. The front of it has beautiful little butterflies on it. And it has a quote from Ecclesiastes 3.11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Isn't that a great sentiment? My family and I would like to thank everyone for the cards, thoughts, and prayers during our time of need. May God bless each and every one of you. Sincerely, Justin Cole and family. And I have these. Cole Guthrie, I mentioned last week, he was receiving oxygen in the hospital with COVID-19. He's actually gone home. So we're very grateful for that. His situation got much worse and then it got so much better. So I think prayer intervened. You doubt me? <laughs> Don't do it. Um, Mary White, a lady that JT and I have been studying with, she has not been here yet. She's had some, it's not complications from her surgery, but she's really had a tough time with it. And she cannot speak. Uh, she was not able to produce any sound other than a whisper. So she is hopeful that Perhaps she'll be here on Sunday, but we just pray she'll be able to recover from this okay. Our friend Wayne Balwitz, that I also told you about, he's continuing in the hospital in Martinsville, West Virginia, and Morgantown, Morgantown, West Virginia. And he's been on a ventilator for two weeks now, so he's really struggling. Uh, you probably know this from Sunday, but Kelsey Hodgen, she's moved to Knoxville. She's going to be working in the children's hospital there. So please remember her in your prayers as she's making her adjustments. Evelyn Floyd is going to be having surgery on Friday. Wanell Thompson had pacemaker surgery. She's doing well, so we're very thankful for that. Jamie Hutchins had shoulder surgery. Uh, he's doing okay, but any of you have had that, you know that's a painful ordeal trying to recuperate from that. Janice Rutledge called and asked us to pray for her family. Her 36-year-old nephew, Matt Lindsay, died unexpectedly early this morning, and he leaves a wife and a young daughter. So we'll be praying about these folks here in just a moment. Before we do, let's, yes.
Okay. Pardon? Spell the last name. Okay. Well, Clyde, we're sorry to hear about your brother. And we'll be praying about this and these others after we sing this song. 701. 701. I've had this song in my head all day. The only way I know how to get it out of one's head is to sing it. Somehow or other, you're released from it. Not that I want to be released, because I love the sentiment of the song. 701, and then we'll have our prayer. I Father in heaven, we come before you, giving you thanks for a beautiful day and thanking you, Father, for all the many opportunities you placed in our hands. And I am I'm praying, Father, that we made the most of all of those things. We're trying to be good stewards. So when you give us something, I just pray that we'll automatically give all that we have and all that we are into the satisfaction of what we believe your goal is. I just pray, Lord, you'll help us be faithful stu stewards. Lord, there's so many that are sick and afflicted right now. It's, it's really hard for us to imagine. So many people sick, so many people dealing with 
real struggles in their lives. And we're praying, Father, that you'll bless each one. Uh, your children uh, come to you with these concerns, and we know that you hear us. We pray, Lord, your uh, continued blessings on Cole Guthrie as he's made such good progress. We give you the glory for that, and we just pray he'll have a full recovery. We pray your blessings on Mary White as she is dealing with uh, latest surgery, and we pray that she'll recover from that and be okay. Please, Father, be with Wayne Balwitz as he's so sick. And we pray for those who are ministering to him, to his health. We pray they'll win this battle and he'll be restored to his family and back working with the church. We pray, Father, for Kelsey as she's made this move, that it'll be a really good one for her. We pray nothing but success for her. Please bless Evelyn Floyd as she faces surgery on Friday. We're praying it's a great success. Please continue being with Wanell as she's had this pacemaker this week. We pray it alleviates her of the symptoms she's been experiencing and that she can enjoy health to the fullest. Bless Jamie Hutchins that he can recover from his shoulder surgery and have full use of his arm again. We pray for Janice Rutledge and her family as they grieve the death of her nephew. And we pray for that young family and for their encouragement and consolation. We pray for Clyde Moore's family and the death of his brother. We just pray, Lord, that you'll soothe his hurting heart. And we just pray comfort for the whole family in a difficult time. We pray for Cole Penna, who was in the accident, who's been able to come home, but we pray, Lord, a full recovery. And for those who are closest, we pray they'll be able to add, offer support that's necessary. We ask, Lord, that you'll bless us as we're studying together from your word that will help us in our relationship with you, that we can truly be the stewards that you need us to be, that we will have a spirit of giving about us that we will really give attention to the things that are around us and have the have the right attitude about our giving we pray lord that you'll help me to communicate those things to the best of my ability and and be with those who hear it they can make good use of it in jesus name amen Okay, so spirit of giving. We're going to base this out of a text found in Matthew chapter 6. Really just the first four verses. You'll recognize this as being really the first of three examinations of what are actually spiritual activities that are being mishandled. In a spiritual activity, the goal is to bring glory and honor to God. But it is possible that if we don't have the right spirit about us, that we will actually seek our own glory, even in the execution of a thing that was designed for God's glory. It is not as rare a thing as you might imagine. 
the thing that he describes in this section can happen to anybody, especially to people who are striving to do what's right. Okay, who would volunteer to read this text for us? It'll be pretty simple because it's, I mean, it's, it's right there. Okay, Rick, thank you. You can't see that far. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Rick. I, I will say this about, not just about this section, but about the three components. We're not going to look at all three. We're looking at the one that's a part of our study, the matter of giving or offering alms or charitable giving, as my translation suggests, doing charitable deeds. This section is going to deal with giving, it deals with prayer, and it deals with fasting. Every single one of those was on the upper tier of activities that you do for God. You direct them to God. But, you know, we humans are a pretty odd lot. Strange. Because here's what happens oftentimes, and... I will just use the Pharisees as an example of that. So you're in sin. You come to realize that. You find out that there is salvation for us through Jesus. We obey the gospel. We can be saved. We have an extraordinary transformation that takes place. We're committed to change. And just as Galatians 2 verse 20 indicates... It's an inward change. As we live, Christ lives in us. So that, that's exciting. And then we talk a lot about how this change of life is resulting in all kinds of different decisions for us. Romans chapter 12, the introductory couple of verses, talks about the transformation that takes place with us. We become living sacrifices. We have a change of our mind. All that's great. And then we get the mind that, well, okay, now I need to be growing in my faith. So passages like 2 Peter chapter 1, talking about adding to our faith, all of those virtues, we're getting better and better. Well, we start progressing and we see that we're growing spiritually and growing more spiritually. And before we know it, we become so spiritual, quote unquote, that now we look at everybody else. And we realize, well, they're not, they're not climbing as high as we are. And we slip into one of the most devious plots that Satan has invented for the child of God. And that is to become so self-consumed and self-righteous that we look down our nose at everybody else. And we begin to expect that all those sinners or all those who have 
not aspired to the greatness of Jesus like we have, why isn't it that they're not patting us on the back and giving us our due? We start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And then it seems like with that mindset of seeking glory for oneself, that that's all we do. And that becomes a huge downfall spiritually for us. We, we've kind of come full circle, right? We are now steeped in our own delusion about our perceived righteousness. The Pharisees were just like that. It seems ironic that a people who were so deep into the Word of God and gaining the knowledge of God and doing everything that they could in their power to demonstrate righteousness, it just seems so ironic that someone so desirous of pleasing God would actually miss the whole point and seek glory for themselves and not the glory for the one that they propose to serve. You and I, we, just one aspect of it, need to have the right spirit of giving. Now, having the right spirit about us goes in large degree to what motivates us to do whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's the giving or it's the praying or it's the fasting or any other activity that we would do in service or in worship to God. Now, I mentioned motivation because oftentimes, and we've talked about this in terms of our stewardship, why it is that we function as a conduit, We'll also talk about it as a motivation for giving. The thing that underlies everything for God is his love for humanity and his desire to see them saved. And so it would not be a stretch, of course, for us to realize that just as much as that was God's goal and continues to be, that we as stewards, those who are doing his work, his hands and feet, I've heard it said, if, if we are that, then that's going to be our ultimate goal, too, to be motivated out of a love for humanity to see them saved. But understand that just saying that we love doesn't get the job done. It has to be that being motivated to do the things of God is backed up by a love, a genuine love and concern for them in love and action. That's why I wanted to mention 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the first three verses, he shows that balance that has to be maintained. It isn't just doing the right thing, but the right thing that is motivated in the right thing. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love has to be a component of the action that we're undertaking. We're talking about a spirit of giving. So if I'm going to be the kind of giver, the steward in giving that God wants me to be, it's going to be motivated, undergirded by love. Now, Love's an interesting component as well, how we express that. I would almost always think when someone talked about a kiss, 
that that would be a positive and good thing. But again, it depends on the motivation which results in a particular action. For instance, a kiss that is directed by love results in an action like we find with the woman who kissed Jesus' feet. She loved him and loved what he had done in her life to the extent that even kissing his feet, which would have been for anybody a humiliating expression, became the fullest expression for her of love that there could be. I mean, what could, what could aspire to be a greater expression than that in humili humiliating yourself in that degree and publicly? But a kiss can also be an act of treachery as in the case of that kiss that Judas gave Jesus in betraying him. How I express myself in the action has got to be motivated by the right spirit. So my mind has to be such that my desire is not, not to seek glory for myself or the pat on the back or recognition for what I've achieved our ultimate goal in this ought to be seeing to it that God is glorified. Now, there are some observable traits when it comes to a spirit of giving. And so tonight, we're going to look at those traits. We're going to see that the spirit of giving is a gracious thing. It is a humble thing. And it is oh so selfless. Okay, let's start by talking about the spirit of giving as it is gracious. I don't know if you noticed it in the text as Rick read it for us. Uh, maybe you saw it as you were reading it yourself. But he says to take heed how it is that you go about doing this charitable deed business. If you don't do it the right way, he says, you're not going to receive a reward from your Father in heaven. But I loved this, this expression in the second verse when he says, when you do a charitable deed. And I wanted to stop right there. To me, Jesus is an expectation of something that you and I are going to do. Not if you're going to get into the practice of doing charitable deeds, but when you do it. In other words, there is the expectation, the assumption on the part of Jesus that charitable deeds are going to be done. Now, I've, I've looked at several passages of Scripture that kind of mount that idea together, and so I'd like some volunteers to read these texts in our hearing. Uh, one text is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Who will read that text? Okay, that one's taken. Um, also, Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 45. Oh, you say, man, I wish I'd gotten a one verse. Now, that's a chunk. No, but it's, it's beautiful. And it's going to tell us something about the motivation that we have to give as a steward of God. So Matthew 25, uh, verses 35 to 45. Okay, that was taken. And then I want somebody to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. 
Okay, that one's taken. And then 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Okay, way back there, Cameron. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. And then a one-verser. So if you're ready to jump in, you'll have to be quick. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. Who will read that text? Okay, it's over here. All right. Okay, we got him. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Okay, so our text is talking about rewards, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But what kind of grand gesture do you have to make in order to be in God's sights. How big? Even a cup of water, a simple, easy gesture of, okay, now what would motivate you, seeing someone's thirsty, what would motivate you to just stroll on over there and take care of that need? I'm gonna suggest to you it starts with an L and ends with an E, and has an ob in it. Love will motivate you to do even the smallest of things. Okay, Matthew uh, chapter 25, verses you wish I'd, I'd have cut that off at the negative part? Just, you know, humor me. Yeah, we wish you'd have done that because yuck, that's bad. Did you notice, and, and this list of things, this goes beyond a cup of water, right? In fact, here's the thing about this list. There are people in the body, us, I'm talking about us, members of this church, who kind of specialize in some of these activities. But I'll just be honest, not everybody feels comfortable doing everything. What I mean by that is, most of us wouldn't have a problem handing a cup of water to somebody. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy peasy. Again, it takes a heart of love just to be aware 
But I'm just saying, if I said, hey, would you give a, would you pass that cup of water over there? We, most of us would not have a problem with that. But feeding people and having an ongoing responsibility to see to their watering needs <laughs> or, you know, uh, taking a stranger in or somebody's needing clothing and actually suiting them up and, and helping them to be presentable, uh, cleaning them up. A lot of us might have trouble with going to the hospital and making visits or someone's in the nursing home or somebody in prison. Give me a break, right? Seriously? But what is it about the response that all of these people made that tells you something about their motivation? He said, you did these things, and what was their response? When, what? When did we do that? It's like they are so in tune with needs that exist that there is no mountain too high for them to climb in response to the need that exists. And again, I'm going to suggest to you, they're not doing it because they feel a sense of responsibility to do it. It's not like they, they read the book and they said, oh, I better make sure I get those all done because the, and the response was, wait a minute, when did we do that? It's not like they're keeping a record of all their good deeds. The fact of the matter is they just love people so much that when they saw a need, they just responded to it. Now, what happens on that negative side of people who didn't do anything? What was their response? Their response was the same. When did this happen? When did, again, not aware. So here's what I'm trying to get across here. None of these people were just kind of keeping a list of what's expected of me. Here's what I'll do. Not that. Those who were motivated out of love did what was needed in the life of a person because, well, simply the need existed. Other people on the other side of that did not act because they didn't have enough love either to recognize that the need existed or they saw the need, but they just didn't raise a finger to help. Now, that's serious. We've got to have a giving spirit that's motivated out of a gracious heart, one that's open and willing to give. Okay, uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 16 to 18, or 18 and 19, sorry. Indeed, I have all in the bound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, what did Paul lack on this occasion? What did he lack? He lacked nothing. All my needs have been supplied. Thank you, Epaphroditus. But then he was just one member of a group of people who wanted to do what? Help? I dread this way. Yeah, wanted to help. And then in response to the, the care and concern that he was receiving on the basis of their love, what did he say was going to come their way? God was then going to in turn supply them with 
their needs. Okay? You, again, we've said this last time, and, and a lot of this is going to bear on what we learned the last couple of lessons. You're not ever going to be in a position where you make God your debtor. You're never going to act in a loving fashion towards someone who is in need to your own undoing. God is going to take care of the situation. Again, remembering that this isn't my doing. I'm just the means through which God is taking care of something that's already his concern. So I'm the conduit through which the blessings of God are going to flow. I'm the steward. And so how I respond to the needs that exist. Yeah, God's going to be glorified through the action that I take when I care for that need. But I'm, I'm held accountable in the sense that I'm the steward. And so if I'm going to act faithfully, I'm going to act in response to the need as it materializes, as I see it. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. There to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up your treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that that which is true in life. Okay, you are to be ready to do what? Ready to give or ready to share. And then again, the same, you know, the same kickback. It's almost like, oh, you know, there are, there are those who might think, well, if I do that now, you know, I'm going to be depleted. And if I share with this, I won't have for the future. I won't be able to help again. That, that is not right. In every single text, the idea is that as I am giving, what is God doing? He's giving back. What, what is God is seeing to the needs that exist? We say, you know, we we know of things that happen. We're praying all the time about needs. We just went through a whole group of people who are sick and experience pain. Many of them are going to be dealing with infirmities for a long time or the complications of surgery and all that. How how do you think that God's going to answer the prayer that we carried to Him? Through Christians, thank you, yes. We become the means by which God is able to accomplish all of these things. But we have to be of a willing heart. And the word I'm using here is the gracious extension of the spirit of giving. Now, here's what's kind of interesting about that. The Jews fancied these ideas Wait, we, we still have a text, don't we? Uh, who had James chapter 1, verse 27? Okay, Billy, please read that text. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows of their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay, anybody know what visit means? You might be thinking, get in the car and go see them, but that's not... Okay, take care of their needs. Maybe, maybe you have a translation to that uh, extent. Maybe brings out that idea. To visit them means to see to the needs that exist. He says pure religion is that. Now sometimes we have a misunderstanding about what religion is. Religion is just at its very basic, the process of a thing. 
So when we talk about our religion, we're talking about how, how we live in that religion, the process of going about that religion. Question, Lord, what is something that would really be a great example of the living that I'm doing for you? You know, the, the religious practice, the thing that I am doing to please you. And James, by inspiration, says, well, let me tell you what pure religion is. And that which is not defiled is to visit or to take care of, to see to the needs of those who are the less fortunate, right? The, the orphan and the widow. And in the process, you're keeping yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, my mind is about that as opposed to this, internalizing. Now, that's going to get to really what this story is about. Do I give glory to God through the life that I'm living, I say is in his honor? Or am I seeking glory for myself? You know, to get the acclaim or the attention for myself. Now, where I was going with that was the attitude that the Jews had. Jews were under the law of Moses. Law of Moses had very strict regulations about everything. And when they talked about almsgiving or uh, taking care of these folks, they had the sense that this is actually like a righteous obligation. This is the right thing to do, but I'm going to do it because God has, under this law, He has put me under obligation to do it. I have to do it if I'm going to be pleased to God in, in the Jewish nation, because that bore upon both their civic life and also their spirituality, with an emphasis on the civic life for most people. I do it because it's expected of me. There were laws that regulated what was a responsibility of these people. And you've probably heard about it. It was very much like a kind of taxation, where one-tenth one -tenth of the earnings for the year, that profit that came above the earnings, that profit, 10% of it, was to be given to four different groups of people, to the Levites, to the foreigners or the strangers who were in their land, to the fatherless, and to the widows. Would someone read Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verses 28 and 29? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. I know it's way over there in the Old Testament scriptures. But this just gives you an insight into the expectation that was being placed on the people. This is your law. You must do this. A very different flavor from what we're getting here under our relationship with Jesus. Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase. The same year and shalt lay it up within thy gates. The Levite, he hath no part or inheritance to thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands, which thou doest. Okay. And then if you'll, you, you, we had two going at once. It was stereo. It's so beautiful too, male, female voice. I just, just wanted to stand here and listen to that. It's really nice. <clears throat> But we're still in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you'll read Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 12 and 13. Deuteronomy 26, verses 12 and 
<laughs> Did you get mad and slam your Bible when that happened? I would have. <laughs> Just... <laughs> um, chapter 26, verses 12 and 13. Did you notice, uh, I love that expression right there, that they had set apart the sacred portion. Something sacred because it's whose? It's God's. They understood, this is not mine, this is God's. But again, they're going through a process that you would say, well, that sounds very similar to what we do, right? We lay by in store and, and we, we, we set our heart to do this. Yeah, they were setting it aside, but why were they doing it? Because they were commanded by the law to do it. Does that sound different from what we read a moment ago in Matthew chapter 25, where people had been doing these things, but they, they were oblivious to it because they weren't doing it as, as though they were checking off a list of things I must do. They were doing it simply out of a motivation of what? L-O-V-E. Love. Now, it is, that isn't even the end of it. So over there in the Old Testament scriptures, not only were these four groups specially cared for by God with this, what, what was described as the sacred portion, but also when it came to the harvest time, they were instructed to set aside the gleanings of both the grain fields and of the vineyards. Who would read Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10? Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. Okay, and, and don't slam your Bible shut. Just hang on there. Uh, if you'll um, go ahead and turn to chapter 23 and verse 22, and we're going to read that in a second. Okay, so did you notice in this text, it's not that, oh, you know, we, we've got this welfare system, so we're, I'm, I'm commanding you to keep these corners of the fields, and then once you've harvested your stuff, you go harvest it and then carry it to those who are in need. Is that what he said to do? No, he said, this, this is what I have allotted for those who are poor. I'm leaving this for them. There, there, is, no, there, there is no disgrace in this. There, there is no, you don't have a right to look down at them because they are poor. I'm telling you that I've given this to them. That's theirs. It's, it's a sense of ownership. Okay, now, will you go ahead and read that text too, please? Also in the heart of the cross, 
Okay, same, same thing. Now, the reason that you have duplicates here is because God wanted to make sure people understood what? Do this. <laughs> you do this. You, you don't get it the first time. I'm going to keep hammering this idea until you get it into your head. You care for those people. But again, a little bit different motivation. I do it because I have to. I mean, God's expected me this. Boy, I've seen God deal harshly with people who are unfaithful. So I'm going to do it. Under the New Testament, the desire is to do it of a willing spirit, a willing heart. And those who don't have that heart are held responsible for it. The heart that we have of love for those who are lost or for our brethren is one that reflects the love that God has for us. Not just because we pour out our souls and we ask God to do stuff, but God responds to the needs that exist in our lives. Now there is a pretty famous beneficiary of this particular process right here. It's in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. That's a beautiful text. <clears throat> Would someone like to read that? Ruth, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Naomi, let me go to the middle and lay them all the ears of the journey. After him to his side, I shall find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went to lay them in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the planter of Elimelech. Okay. She benefited from the law that was put in place. She is, of course, in the line as a Gentile to Jesus. So kind of a, a benefit that God had put in that resulted in a benefit to one through whom Jesus would be coming. In Jesus's times, especially this text reflecting the, the giving, the collecting of the alms, there were two different ways in which those alms were collected. One was referred to as the gift of the chest, which was taken up on the Sabbath day. We'll look at that next time. And then there was also the gift of the cup, which you might see a beggar along the street holding the cup. That was an official recognized means of distributing those alms. Okay, we have our, our base, our foundation about graciousness. Next time we're going to <clears throat> extend that. We're going to talk about the heart that God is expecting of us. So um, be thinking about and, and reviewing this text, we'll be breaking it down further to the finish next week. All right, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the time you've given us to study these things. We just pray, Lord, that you'll develop in us a spirit of giving, the, the fullest expression of our stewardship to you. Thank you for the examples of the past, uh, of the way that uh, people dealt with your expectations then, and thank you, Lord, for what we have in Jesus and for the heart that we have to seek out those who are in need and to act. We pray your blessings on us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.